The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. Morning, beautiful people. It is absolutely a joy to be with you guys, uh, particularly uh, this close to celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus uh, to celebrate Christmas. And one of the things I really kind of get jacked up about as it pertains to Christmas is that uh, around the world, people who don't even know Jesus or even believe in Jesus find themselves celebrating Christmas. And that says something about what Christmas is all about, which really is about children. It's about that spirit that has given us life. It's about a Savior who came, died in our place, that we might become part of the family of God. It's a season where we discover that we are part of that fulfillment of the Father's dream, where we are becoming family through our our faith in Christ Jesus. And the interesting thing to me is you got people all over the world really celebrating Christmas, and they don't understand that what they're experiencing is the work of the Spirit of God moving across the earth to bring people home. And many of those people who get into the Christmas season without really consciously looking for Christ end up finding Him during this season And often it's found through the smiling faces of their children who seem to bring to the season really what the heart of the Father is all about. So it's exciting to be a part of that. Uh, We have been in a series here uh, that is taken from the prophetic words of Isaiah in chapter 9 of Isaiah. And I'm going to be picking up a reading from verse 6. The first message out of this series had to do with Wonderful Counselor, uh, which is that basic nature and character of God where He imparts wisdom uh, to people who desperately need wisdom, that we have a tendency sometimes to rely on knowledge that we gain, but often we kind of mess up the knowledge because we don't use it with wisdom. And so to have a wonderful counselor who is God, who is truth, who understands our situations, that's an awesome thing. And I know that that message was delivered by a beautiful lady, and it was powerful. Uh, I also have the opportunity today to participate in this series, and I have the opportunity to talk to you about mighty God. Mighty God. I don't know about you, but I'm not really interested in one that ain't mighty. Uh, A puny God probably not going to do you much good. But to have a mighty God that is almighty, mightier than anything that will ever be faced. In the natural realm, in the spirit realm, he is almighty. And to be able to share with you some thoughts about him as an everlasting father. That he's not a father that quits in the middle or who only stays for a season, but that he is an everlasting father. And so that's my opportunity today. And so what I'd like to do first is uh, just 
If you've got your book, just turn to Isaiah. I'm sure it'll be up here for you as well. But chapter 9, beginning with verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And uh, just one little caveat is I begin to share first about a mighty God. It's important for us in this season to understand that we have a tendency sometimes to take on ourselves the result of so many things. Rather than understanding that we are called to be a people who are to walk in obedience to the word of a mighty God who is an everlasting Father. And that through that obedience... The results then are in his hands, not ours. So that when we look at the world out here and we see stuff that is really kind of bonkers and stuff that if you really have a little bit of a brain, you look at that stuff and say, dude, this is messed up. And that thing inside of you wants to fix it. You have a part to play, but the part is not to fix it. The part is to hear what he's saying and obey what he says. And then the results of that are in his hands. So that when you talk about him being a mighty God and an everlasting father, you get some idea of what the results can look like in terms of what's happening in this realm. So first of all, he is mighty. He's mighty to deliver. He's mighty to save. He's mighty to heal. He's mighty. There is, in fact, nothing in this realm that he doesn't have the final word on. He's mighty. Nothing that you will ever face, I will face, or we face as a group of people, or in the human race, nothing is beyond his capacity to take care of it. He's a mighty, mighty God. Now, when you look at Jesus in the manger... What we realize is that that is, in fact, God in the manger. God breaking into human history in a way that he had never done before. He comes here with a holy and divine visitation breaking into human history. That baby in the manger, fully God, fully human, and Johnny can't stand up here and explain it to you. However, that's my faith and my belief that he's God in the manger, fully human and fully God. Fully human so that we can identify with him and he can identify with us. Fully God because the sacrifice at the cross had to be perfect. And only he could be that perfect sacrifice, fully human and fully God. But in his journey from that manger to the cross, 
and then his appearances after the resurrection and when he comes back again to take us to the house. In the journey, there is this revelation going on in his life that as his people who journey, we have the opportunity really to gather what he's trying to impart and what he's trying to reveal. Part of the revelation is his might, his majesty in the journey for us as well as for the body of Christ, but also for us individually, that it's the journey and the revelation. He reveals himself to his disciples. When he calls these early disciples, he doesn't just say, okay, come follow me, and then he treks down the road, and they don't begin to understand anything. There's revelation going on in their relationship because these are the folks that he's going to invest the gospel message in who are going to have to carry it down through the years and through those who receive from them, carry it down through the years so that you and I can be here this morning with a scripture that we read that is the Word of God and the presence of a Holy Spirit that reminds us of the truth of who Jesus really is. But he's investing it in these first disciples. And it comes through their journey together and their relationship. And he's revealing what it means to be who he is. But he's also revealing to them who the Father is and what the Father's heart is all about. Now, in looking over scriptures that I felt like I could share with you this morning, that would sort of just, for me at least, uh, communicate my heart about what it means to be a mighty God and what's revealed to us through Jesus in terms of the might and majesty of God himself. The passage of Scripture that I decided to just sort of lay out for you is one that I have shared, preached, taught, jumped up and down about for a ton of years. So it won't be new. My prayer is that it will be fresh. And what I want you to understand is This is a clear, clear revelation of the might and the majesty of the God that we serve. So if you got your books and you want to follow it, or you may have, as many times as I've mentioned it, you may have memorized it by now. But uh, when I go back to some of the churches that I have been in over the years, and uh, I foolishly sometimes will expect that they remember what I said. (laughs) No, man. Uh, It goes in and out, baby. But maybe I've done this one enough that it's kind of stuck in you. But in Mark 4, beginning with verse 35, you have these four revelations that come that are indicators of the might and majesty of God. Because we know sitting here this morning, there ain't nothing mightier than the God we serve. When you watch the light come on in a dark room and you realize the darkness just goes poof, then you understand the might and majesty of a God who breaks into the darkness in this realm and it has to disperse because of his presence, just because of his presence. But beginning in verse 35 there in Mark 4, you have Jesus getting the guys in the boat going to the other side of the lake going to the other side of Galilee, going to really the land of the gatherings. And in the middle of the journey is when the storm comes. 
And that's when his disciples freak out because it's a bigger storm than they've been able to handle. And Jesus is in the boat sleeping, not sweating this deal. And the reason he's not sweating it is because he knows his daddy. And his daddy said, I want you to take these dudes to the other side. And he knows if his daddy said, go to the other side, he's going to get to the other side because no demon in hell can keep him from getting to the other side because that's where his daddy said, go. If that's where his daddy said, go, they're going to get to the other side. That's really kind of like you and me. When you by faith believed on Jesus, daddy said, you're coming home. You're going to get to the other side. There ain't nothing mighty enough to keep you from getting to the other side. Every demon in hell can't come together and keep you from getting to the other side. Because daddy said, you're going to the other side. But this storm that comes up makes these guys in the boat begin to question whether they're going to get to the other side or not. So that's when they wake up Jesus, and Jesus wakes up and says, hey, how long am I going to put up with your mess? Where's your faith? Why do you fear? What's the fear thing about? Speaks to the wind, speaks to the waves, and everything calms down. And then the guys look at Jesus and say, what manner of man is this? Because they don't understand this. But I tell you what manner of man he is. He's God. And he's mighty to the to the, to the point where natural realm stuff has to come in obedience to his word because he's Lord over the natural realm. So when they get to the other side, it's when they run into the man who is in the land of the Gadarenes. He's naked. He's cutting himself with stones. He's been bound, but he breaks all the bondages. And nobody wants to allow their children to go play in the cemetery because this dude is not good to play with. So you got a guy there who is possessed by an evil spirit. So the spirit realm has moved in here to this guy and taken him captive, robbed him of his identity, and he's enslaved now to the spirit that possesses him. But when Jesus gets there, the... Spirits in the man recognize Jesus. And when they recognize Jesus, they understand that the one that they recognize has authority over them and that they have to go. So they, when Jesus comes, they say, why are you here? Have you come to torment us? And Jesus simply says, uh, mm-mm, I'm really coming here because you're going to have a major problem with me. They understand that. Their response to him is, would you put us in the pigs because we know we got to go. So what's happening here is that the spirit realm is being confronted by the presence of the mighty God in Christ, and they have to go. So then the man gets delivered by the power of God puts his clothes on, goes home in his right mind because the spirit realm is subject to the power of God. We sometimes are led to believe in our society that that evil spirit has the final word and authority on us. Let me help you. It does not. 
The enemy of your soul is a defeated enemy. It doesn't, doesn't mean that the spirit realm's not real or that the evil spirit isn't real. But what it does mean is the only way that thing can hurt you is if you believe the lie. Because Jesus has taken authority over that. When Jesus says, get back in the boat, we're going back to the other side. They get in the boat, but my, my thinking is that they're wondering what's happening. They get to the other side, and Jairus, who has a daughter who is about to die and who eventually does die in the natural, he meets Jesus there at the shore and says, my daughter is really sick. Will you come lay hands on her so that she can be healed? And Jesus said, uh-huh, I'd be glad to do that. So he heads off towards Jairus' house, but on his way there, this woman who has an issue of blood has had it for 12 years, spent her money with doctors who haven't been able to deliver her or heal her. And she's got a word in her spirit that says, if I can get to where this man Jesus is and touch the hem of his garment, then I can be healed. So she goes out to get into a crowd of people when according to the law of Moses, she's not even supposed to be out in public because with the issue of blood, she's unclean. But she's got this word inside that says, if I can get there, I can get, get healed. And so she goes in pursuit of the healing. And when she touches the hem of his garment, Jesus said, who touched me? And his disciples said, be cool. There are a lot of people touching you. There's a big crowd here. And Jesus said, no, somebody touched me with faith and healing virtue has gone out of my body. Now who touched me? What happened was when she in faith touched the healer, healing virtue went out of him and she was delivered from the sickness because he has authority over sickness. Now, we run into some issues sometimes in the body of Christ because we think too much and don't believe enough. We run into these issues about healing. Let me help you with this. And then you can go home and say, Johnny's messed up. Jesus always heals. Our job is to, in faith, believe. Our problem comes when he doesn't heal the way we think he ought to or on the schedule that we've set for him. But let me help you. There is no disease mightier than the God we serve. And when the book talks about having faith to believe and joining hands and touching one another in faith, believing and declaring the truth of the word of God, it means just that. God heals. Whether it's on our timetable or in the way we want or not, I promise you, with every fiber of my being, he always heals. That's his nature. Because he's mightier than sickness. When he gets to Jairus' house, the folks are sitting outside weeping and wailing because the girl's dead in their minds. Jesus said, why are y'all weeping and wailing? They said, because she's dead. Jesus said, she ain't dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed at him. And I must have told hundreds of people over the years, do not laugh at Jesus. 
What he did then was clean house and take the believers into the house with him and simply say, little girl, get up. And she got up. Because our God is mightier than death. You see him there in front of the tomb with Lazarus, calling the man that's already mummied up to come out of the tomb. Because death cannot hold those that Jesus calls to life. And we see that demonstrated for us with some finality when they went down to the tomb of Jesus and found that he was not there. That death cannot hold him. Now stay with me just a second. He who is resurrection lives in you. Death cannot hold you. This thing you're living in, they can do what they want to with it. But what's in here? I'm coming up. You're coming up. Death has no hold on you. Resurrection power lives inside you. Why? Because Jesus is mightier than the sting of death. Y'all all all right? Mighty God. Mighty God. Sickness, confusion, immorality, brokenness, whatever is going on in our lives that would enslave us, bind us up, confuse us, cause us to be depressed, or whatever, nothing in this natural realm is greater than the one that we serve. He is a Mighty God, mightier than anything else that you can run into in this realm. So what's left for us? For us to believe. For us to believe. When the scripture says, without faith we cannot please God. God's not up there trying to quantify the depth or the magnitude of our faith. God's up there saying, it pleases me to bless you. It pleases me to meet the deepest need in your life. But I need you to have faith. I need you to believe me. So when it says, without faith you can't please him, I think there's two things going on here. You really can't please him without faith. But it's not sometimes for the reason that people think. Part of the reason is he wants desperately to bless his children. And we access that most effectively through faith. Does that make sense to you? Aha, uh-huh, you got a mighty God waiting to bless you. And all he's asking for is, will you believe? Same thing Mary ran into. When she's told as a virgin she's going to carry a child. And she simply said, be it unto me according to your word. And she's saying, I believe you. I'm entrusting everything you said to you and to your word. I received that. And in that same expression and conversation with the angel Gabriel, she's told about the pregnancy of Elizabeth And the word comes, nothing is impossible with God. You all right? Secondly, 
this thing about an everlasting father. I, I won't take up your time here with everything that I feel about the fatherlessness that I see in this society we live in. Or spend all day talking about what we have in terms of issues out here on the Outer Banks. With way over 50% of our children going to bed at night with only one parent in the home. Or that 65 or 70% of those that are there are mothers, not fathers. It creates a climate and a culture where children are raised insecure and broken, damaged, and in many ways crippled. But it is the heart of the Father for each of us to know that no matter what we have in the natural realm or do not have as a Father in the natural realm, that we have an everlasting Father who will love us and never back off. Some years ago, I'd gone to an evangelism conference in Phoenix, and a friend of mine who was also an evangelist was there, and he had a young man with him who was a, a pretty prominent kind of young rock and roller uh, who also was invested a great deal in drugs. And uh, this young man that he had with him was a young man that wanted to marry my friend's daughter. And my friend is saying, uh-uh, no, you not for her, not yet. And so he took him on the road with him. And then some years later, this young man had found his relationship with Christ. He was, if you will, saved. And he was still dealing with the father issues that he had that kept him from the freedom that God wanted to give him as one of his own. So finally, my friend suggested to this young man that he go and see somebody for counseling. He ended up at Duke University with a man who was Christian, beautiful man of God, who was a psychiatrist, and uh, this young man went to him for counseling. And they spent some time together, but didn't seem to be making a whole lot of progress. So finally, one day, the counselor says to this young man, uh, why don't you just talk to me about your father? He said, you've talked a lot about the fact that you know Jesus. But you don't have in your conversation, it seems, any knowledge of the Father. So why don't you talk to me about your Father? And the young man said, well, there's not much to tell. Not much to say. I don't even remember a lot about my dad. He said, but there is one thing that I really do remember about my Father. And that was one day when my daddy came home. He brought a baseball glove, a ball, and a bat. And he invited me to go out in the backyard so that we could play catch. He said, and then we ran into a little problem because I kept dropping the ball. 
And he said, finally, my daddy got so angry and frustrated with me, he took the ball, the bat, the glove into the kitchen and put all three of them up on the refrigerator and never played catch with me again. And the counselor said to him, well, let me tell you something. You've got a father in heaven who will not stop playing catch with you just because you dropped the ball. And what's more about this father you got in heaven? He's not going to be there for a week or two or a year or two or years or four. He's going to be there for all eternity. You have a father who will not quit on you who's going to be there for you for all eternity. You have an everlasting father. Now, I've known this young man for over 40 years as he's pastored churches, written some incredible music, neat guy. But it really comes out of the fact that he found his father, an everlasting father. It's an amazing thing. I know Scott, Jamie, all of us here as elders and staff, we deal with this thing here in the Outer Banks, this father issue, with so many young men and young women who don't know what it is to have a father. And some of the ones who do have one in the house have ones that set examples that are destructive and not helpful. This is a big deal, y'all. When Isaiah prophesies this thing, and Jesus comes to reveal to us what our father's really like. Mighty God, but a loving and everlasting father. On the way down here yesterday, I was listening to a Jonathan Heltzer uh, album, and the song that I was really captured by was one that is simply called The Gospel. Simple title, Profound Song. And part of the lyrics simply say, I was rescued by love that hung on a cross. And then another part of that says, and I've discovered that the wings of love fly faster than I can fall. And he was talking about an everlasting father whose love will never leave us, never give up on us, and will be met by his love every step of the journey. Even when we drop the ball, we're met by love. Isn't it good to know? I mean, anybody here besides me mess up? For crying out loud, man, I mean, you're still in this thing right here. I mean, some of yours look better than mine, but I mean, it's, you're still in it, and as long as you're living in this thing, you're going to mess up some. 
But the way you can tell the Father's heart in people that you are dealing with when you mess up is if you're met by love. Because the wings of love that come from the cross where love was hanged fly faster than you can fall. And you'll be met by it, but they just want you to know what you're being met by is the heart of a father who is everlasting, who will never give up on you. That's what we found in a manger years ago. (laughs) Packaged in a little baby, squeezed, if you will, into a little baby. All of the grace, all of the love, all of the forgiveness, all of the mercy of a mighty God squeezed into a little baby and revealed through the life of this man that we call Jesus. Powerful name, mighty name, Jesus. And who now is being revealed to us moment by moment by the person of the Holy Spirit. And Daddy loves it so much that he's saying, hey, I think I'll do through all of you the same stuff my son Jesus did when he walked there in the earth. Why? So that the revelation of the mighty God and the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, can be revealed through people like you and me. Now, I got to tell you, dudes and dudettes, that is an amazing thing that God has done for us. And do not let the enemy come and rob you of your destiny with that. Because he loves to come if you fail. He loves to come when there's conflict. He loves to come when any of that stuff would separate us from the truth of our identity in Christ. He loves to come and do that stuff. Don't believe the lie. You're your father's son and your father's daughter, and your daddy's God, and he ain't giving up on you. And he's mighty, mighty. Okay, those were the two things I was going to share, and I'm done. Uh, I do believe that in this kind of atmosphere and message that we need to respond, really, to God. And I would like to offer two things this morning, but you know what your need is, so whatever that need is, put it before the man that can meet it. But I'd like to invite you, if you're here, and you've never invited Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior, if you're living a life where you really don't understand that God is your Father, that He's everlasting, that He loves you, if you don't know those things this morning, then I want to invite you to come and let's get that straight. Get before Him and by faith receive what God's given to you there in terms of new birth and the life as a child of God. We'd be glad to meet with you here and pray with you about that. We have a prayer ministry team and elders and others that will come and pray with you. You don't have to come down here, but you're invited if you'd like to. Secondly, 
I think this is a time when we need to pray for healing. There are a lot of people who are hurting in our world, and there are a lot of people in our body who are hurting. I know there's a little baby, uh, King's Daughters, that needs touch, needs healing, needs to have that body strengthened. I know I've got a brother, Dave, who's going to be having surgery on Wednesday, and I uh, talked to Scott last night, and I just want to pray for Dave. But there may be some others of you here this morning who have a need for healing. Could be anything, physical or otherwise. We'd like to be able to anoint you with oil and, uh, and believe your daddy for healing and wholeness. So Scott's going to come and, and lead us initially here with some, with some worship. And if I could get the prayer ministry team to come on down, if I could get the elders to come, and let's be down here. And, and Rod, if you just pull some oil out of there. Um, we'd be glad to anoint you with oil. And pray for healing this morning. And I'm telling you, he always heals. Just have faith and hold on. That's his nature. He may use a doctor, a nurse, a friend, but he's the healer. And that's who we're coming to this morning. Okay? So that's the invitation. And uh, I just want to invite you to come. Uh, We love praying for people (laughs) and praying with people because we know God honors it. And uh, so if you're here, maybe you're visiting with us and you think maybe I'm a little weird. Everybody's not as weird as I am. Uh, But we just love God and believe his word. So if you're here, we would love to have you come and receive prayer here this morning. So if you don't mind standing uh, as we enter into this time of ministry and worship, uh, you know what the invitation is and we just invite you to come.